Welcome! The University of Central Florida's Office of Diversity and Inclusion brings you Matters of Diversity with Dr. B. With your host, Dr. S. Kent Butler. And our guests, Nadia Ubrun and Vanessa Lundy. This show is brought to you by UCF Foundation. Thank you. Hotel, and welcome to Matters of Diversity with Dr. B. I am excited to have you all be a part of today's podcast because I have two phenomenal seniors from the UCF community to communicate with today. Not only are these some up and coming students who are gonna do some great things for the world, but they are activists. They are leaders in their own right. They're doing great things for the NAACP student organization here on campus. First, let me bring in Vanessa Lundy. She's a senior majoring in political science with a focus in diversity and inequity. She is of Haitian descent and uh, is originally from Key West, Florida. As a political action chair of UCF's NAACP, her job is to purpose and advocate for the marginalized and, and provide a voice for the voiceless. Next, we have the president of NAACP, and that is Nadia Boburn, and I just messed that up. Um, I think it's Boburn, um, a senior of the University of Central Florida's majoring in health sciences and minoring in health services administration. Her degree plan is to go to medical school and become a pediatrician. She is currently the president, as I said, of the oldest and the boldest organization at UCF. The National Association for the National Advancement of Colored People, where work is hard to establish equality on the UCF campus for all minorities. And so with that being said, here are my two guests. How are you all doing today? Hello, hello. Thank you for having us, Professor Butler. It's so good to be here. I'm glad to have you. Um, you know, um, I've gotten to know Nadia a little bit over the over the year, um, and you know, it's been difficult with the COVID situation that we're in. But um, Vanessa, it's really good to to to, to, to have a, a a possible strong conversation today about where you are in the world and how you see the world. And, and so I kind of got a sense of where Nadia is coming from, but now I get to get to infuse the two together. And so um, there's been a lot that's been happening over the past couple of weeks. Oh yeah. my, definitely, definitely, oh my goodness. Not weeks, the whole year. We're in headspace right now when it comes to um, all the stuff that's been going on. Right, what is it? It's for me, I would say it's definitely like a movie because I'm not out and about. Like, I feel like if we were on the front line, knowing that it's like, because it's COVID and we're inside, the only thing I'm seeing is from my TV screen. So I'm just like, wow, like th that's the world out there. But like, it's not like I, I like, I can't connect with it because I'm not outside. I don't know like what's really going on. I work from home. I go to school from home. I do everything at home. So it's just like, wow. I was like, is this a movie going on? Like, is this, is this for real? For and real. It's, it's just like, wow. But like, I feel like if COVID wasn't here and we were out and about, I think it will be totally different. It, I mean, I feel like it will be 
more like like it's real but now it, it doesn't seem as real but okay. it's, it's real <laughs> that's valid that's valid how about you Vanessa um just like like for me I know during the summer especially with the marches going down in Orlando downtown Orlando like I was out there me and my friends were out there and we were protesting and things of that sort so it was different like I think I actually got the chance to like experience firsthand like how real it is for a lot of people and especially like you know personally like my brother has been through the criminal justice system so it's like dealing with things of that sort and already having like personal experience like piggyback off of and just emotional I was already ramped up off of so it was just kind of surreal actually you know being like boots on the ground and being there in the mix of everybody and really being face to face with the police. At one point we were face to face with the police locked arms and they had their pepper cans, like pepper spray cans ready to go and everything. But like, you know, it was just a different, it was just a different, it felt like a different world being okay. out there. It just felt let like- me, Let me ask you a question based on that. You said you were on the front lines, locked arms. What was going through your body? What were you feeling um, in that moment? I was scared that something was gonna happen, but I was more, I was more mad for my people as a whole. I was mad about just inequality and biasness and discrimination, the, and you know, just the verdicts. Cause that was the day um, Breonna Taylor, like they didn't, they didn't want to um, arrest anybody for Breonna Taylor's murder. When George Floyd, it was fresh off of George, George Floyd and that event. And it was just even more different because you got to see like who, who really came out there to make a statement and make a difference and make a change. And other people who were there just to promote their image or just say, or who were just there to be like, oh, I, I was actually there, I was active and just kind of make it like more about them like a publicity stunt more yeah. than it was to be an activist. Cause at one point, like we're all staying there like linked arms and like, there's all these other people of color, which I also like, I support allyship. I would encourage anybody to do whatever they can to stand in allyship with people who marginalize people. But at the end of the day, like you have to know how to play your role <laughs> when those things go down. We right. were down there and like, we're locked arms. And like, you know, these people of non-color are like, you know, they're they're trying to entice the police. They're calling them all kinds of pigs and all kinds of different kinds of derogatory terms, cussing them out and they're in their face. And like, while the people of color are solemnly standing there in solidarity. So that's, really, uh, uh, that's phenomenal that you say that. So talk about that a little bit. And maybe now you can talk about that as well. But you were there and you were having a conversation about police brutality. You were having a, 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 you know things that you were trying to shout out the name Breonna Taylor. Yes. People there who were antagonizing in a different way. Yes. We were coming more from, we were trying to advocate. We were trying to preach what was going wrong like our issues our problems we were standing there even in silence of solidarity because you know some of the police officers obviously they you know they were trying to be violent as well but we were staying there peacefully trying to get our point across to make sure that we were there in solidarity there as a unit and then there were the other people like you know the agitators who were just coming up and they were just like you pig like you do this look at them they think they could kill us these are people of non-color. You right. do you like what you do to us? Us, us, us. <laughs> and I'm like, and it's literally, you know, little girl with blonde hair, blue eyes, skinny as a twig, like jumping over the bushes, trying to get in these cops' faces. Yeah. And literally one of them dropped the N-word. Yeah. I called them the N-word. Yeah. Like, look at these N-words. Like they think they could tell us what to do. Right. And everybody, at one point, me and this other girl of color, like we locked eyes because we were looking at this girl. We didn't want to break we didn't want to break what we were trying to do. So we weren't going to like, you know, go out and reach out to this girl who was doing this. We were still trying to push our message to the police. Like Breonna Taylor shouldn't have died in her sleep. George Floyd shouldn't have died. Like shouldn't have died. Like shouldn't have been murdered. 
Like we were just trying to push those messages, but we literally locked eyes at one point, me and that girl of color. And we both just started shouting over them. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. Yeah. Just it definitely, yeah, it definitely goes to show you that like, that's like, you got kind of got firsthand experience of like what really happens. Like you can be as peaceful as possible and you still get like selected. Like what, what did I do? Like just because of the color of your skin, like you're not even trying to be violent. You're not trying to, you know, um, incite anything and you still get like picked on because of the color of your skin. Like, did she have to say the, that word? Did she have to do mo the things that she did? You guys are standing together showing that um, how much of a unit you can be, how much, you know, you trying to get your point across without having to be violent, without having to drop names or drop just things that, you know, cause there's so many things that, you know, people would like to call police officers or whatever, or, you know, just those. And if we were to do it, they were liable to get, you know, violent police would have retaliated against people of color ASAP. You know what I mean? So it's like, for us, obviously we're going to go out there peacefully and try to promote our agenda. For a level of constraint. What is it? You saw a level of constraint yeah. with the police officers, even though um, there were people who were antagonizing them and things along those lines. So yeah. Nadia, what does Black Lives Matter mean to you? Black Lives Matter, it means it means so many things, but like if I was to say something like a meaning for it, like it'll be like that, of course, you know, your life matters, your life matters, your life matters, but they don't understand that. Black people are, you know, antagonized the most, are like picked on the most, and that our lives still matter. There was a time NAACP, um, the Nationals, were saying like our lives, we still matter. Like just because you know you think things are getting good in America, you think things are like, you know, things are getting better. It's not. Our lives still matter, no matter what you say. You wouldn't know how it feels to be on our side because you just, you, you don't know. So people be like, well, our lives matter too. Okay, but have you ever been harassed just because you're just walking down the street and you're wearing something that a police officer may think that, you know, was used in a robbery? Just crazy things. They would never understand. I feel like others would never understand that because they're never, they would they were never in our position. Yeah. I have my brother who just, who just got out of jail recently. And he said, Nadia, they've been picking on me. And I don't know who do I turn to? Where do I go when this whole system is corrupted? Like, I feel like I just, I just can't, you know, I just can never be right. Nothing that I do just is just right. And it, it just made me so sad. Cause it's just like, okay, like I want to be there for my brother. I want to help out my people, but it's so hard to when when they're just picking on you for nothing, like you just like you try and do what you do, and then they're gonna you have a voice to speak up for yourself in regards to what may be happening in the situation. So, Vanessa, how about you? Same question in some sense. Um, Black Lives Matter. What what does it mean to you? I mean, I think being a part of the National Association for the Advancement of Color People kind of like speaks to Black Lives Matter, the movement in itself. Like we've always like our organization primarily was established to help like see and support the image that black lives do matter because historically black people obviously as we know have been disenfranchised and marginalized in this country we are brought here as property not even people and so at this point like i think black lives matter we're just trying to continuously you know push the narrative as like hey like we are still being disenfranchised we're still being marginalized we are there's still racist acts going on and we are still being unjustifiably killed so black lives matters to me is just a statement to say that black people deserve their rights 
Black people deserve to live in peace. We matter. Okay, all right. So in that vein, you said that, you know, NAACP, especially our campus organization, is really kind of built on that type of a premise. What are you all doing? Um, I know that we are in this pandemic and you're like, Nadia, you just said that you're at home day and night. Um, but what are we doing as a campus to support the voice of the marginalized or the unheard? I would definitely say right now we're reaching, um, we're reaching out to people, not like we're telling people to come to our events. Let it, like get get a, give them an insight of how we feel. Like we don't only appeal or invite black people. And I feel like that's a misconception about NAACP is only for the black people, it's black people. No, it's for anybody to learn. We, our focus is on equality. We want, we just want equality between everyone. We're not saying that, you know, um, we want to be better than um, other races or anything like that. We don't care about that. We just, we just stand for equality in every aspect of life, whether that's in the health field, whether that's in your career, no matter what, we just, we just, we're our main focus is on equality. So what we're doing, we're not only um, targeting or our audience is only black people, it's for everyone. So I have, I've seen people reach out um, to our page. It was like, you know, we wanna know more, what can we do? Come on, we're a community service-based event, a community service-based organization, come out, meet us, like fellowship with us, come out and like see how we are. And you know, learn more. Cause I feel like when you know better, you do better. Okay. And I feel like, you know, ignorance is a big, a, the biggest trait in America that like allows people not to, you know, understand our size. So I just feel like educating people is the best way to go when it comes what's to- a, What's a typical program that you would do, Nadia? What's a, a program that you would do that you would invite people out to and what would they expect to see when they get there? Okay, so something that we do every other Tuesday is general body meetings. So there we find different topics to touch on that may be controversial. Like one thing I tell my my e-board members is don't be afraid to talk about something because you feel like it may step on people's toes. You feel like it may rub people the wrong way or you feel like I, I don't care about that. Like I understand, you know, but it needs to be talked about. If it's not being talked about, we just keep brushing things under the rug and it's not being talked about. So I, journal body meetings, I make sure those um, those meetings are information filled. Um, mm -hmm. We also do community service events where we go out into the community and show that, you know, we're not, you're, we're not your stereotypical, you know, people like to say black people does this or, you know, we're, we're thugs, we're this. No, we, we give back to community. We do what we have to do. We're, we're American citizens and we, you know, we want to show you that. So um, two things, and we like to do social um, socials where we go out and we just like have like to have fun and you know let people understand like you know this is this is what um, equality is about. Like we don't like to um, exempt anybody from doing anything. We allow everyone to come in and see what we're about. Excellent, excellent. So it sounds like it's also a respect of person. Um, so everybody who comes there, you're respecting what they bring into the table. Um, what's, it like, what's it like for you, Vanessa, um, in your role? Uh, what do you do specifically? And how, how do you invite people into leadership um, in NAACP? Because you guys are seniors. And so, and I shouldn't say guys. So you two young ladies are seniors. And so what does, what does that entail? 
Um, I think just like Nadia said, we're a big source of representation on campus. Like we we go out and we do community service and we fellowship and we're present and we have events where everybody can come together and gather and brainstorm ideas and talk about their issues and things going on in the communities as well. But for me, like this is a newly, I just had, um, I just came into my position at the top of last year. We didn't really get to work until the school year for fall. But I know one of the biggest things that I'm most proud of that I got to do through the NAACP was help promote state attorney, now state attorney, Monique Worrell to her position. Um, a lot of people on the East side, especially specifically students at UCF weren't aware or privy to Miss Monique running at all. So we held like a live for her and got to do like a live Q and A and we got to give her questions and we invited our organization out, other organizations out and we got to discuss and they got to see who she was and know about her candidacy and those things that she got and she won the seat. And Monique's agenda obviously encompasses everything that the NAACP about is about when it comes to, you know, criminal justice reform and the equity within the criminal justice system and in, into our like higher institutions that hold power as well. She was all about transparency, accountability and equality. So I think that's one of the biggest things that I was, that I'm proud of that I got to say I got to be involved in because we also worked on her trail and all kinds of things of that sort. But it definitely working through NAACP. I've been encompassing, like surrounded by a bunch of just like strong-minded, intelligent individuals who are so driven to do what they want to do. Like all these, all my co-members, co-chairs, like everybody in my organization is so passionate about what they do and everything they say that they're going to do, it gets done. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's just kind of like working as a body and as a unit to make an impactful difference and promote people, especially when it comes to like, you know, our legislators and our politicians has been one of the most, best things that I've been able to be a part of throughout our organization. So I saw you get amped up when I said oldest and boldest. Tell me about that. What was that? Uh, look at you. Yeah. <laughs> That's just real. So I was following my face. So I joined this organization, um, the UCF chapter of the NAACP, my sophomore year. So I started off as the president publicity chair. My um, first vice president was Darisha, who was president last year. She told me one thing. She was like, see, Marie, anything else? Know that we are the oldest and the boldest organization. So I'm just like, like even on flyers, like I know that oldest and boldest, oldest and boldest. We were founded February 12th, 1909. And we've been working continuously from that time to make sure that, you know, the purpose of NAACP, the mission statement gets like to every nick and cranny of the, of America. So like the oldest and the boldest organization, we're, we're gonna be proud. We're proud, we're bold, we stand out. So um, when I hear oldest and the boldest, it just brings like, like. Yeah. And the uh, forefathers of our organization, Martin Luther King, Thurgood Marshall, Frederick Douglass, like the names just go on and on and on about like who our forefathers were, like who are advocating for rights and like kind of where we pull our strength from too and our intelligence from too. So to be a part of a community that has been stemmed from these heroes in our eyes, I feel like that's what makes us the oldest and the boldest yeah. the organization on campus. So well, that's pretty good. So when you all are bringing it, so, so you already know, that there are people coming from different walks of life, whether they're black, brown, white, um, no matter where they're coming from, they're coming to be members of uh, NAACP, the student chapter here on campus. How do you embrace them? You know, I think about it from like, when I was in high school, there were people who were kind of considered more of the outcast people who were kind of shy or introverted, or then there was the jocks and there were the people who were the cheerleaders and the people who were most popular and all those different things. We have all of those types of personalities at, at the University of Central Florida. So when these people come in, 
some of them may be timid, some of them may be bold and, and beyond and, you know, have high egos or low egos and all these different things. So when they come and, and, and join the organization, how do you all pull them in and make it one, one, one message, one theme? Go ahead, Vanessa. <laughs> Because you know, I joined after you and I went to you guys, I went to like NAACP body meetings when we were able to have them physically on campus when I was just like, you know, you trying to see what it was about. And I just remember going to our GBM and it was packed out. Like, I think it was one of the first ones, but it was packed out. We played a game, like we had great discussion. We had a real discussion. There was music, like everybody was interacting with everybody. Even like the quiet kids, as you would say, like we got moments, we had moments where we got to stand up and go talk. And like, even in the midst of that, like club members and like, you know, the chairs and executive board cabinets, they would come around and they would interact with you. And be like, hey, my name is so-and-so. How are you? What are you doing here? Like, or how do you feel about doing this? Or like, how do you feel about the, the meeting that's going on? So I think it was just that kind of inclusivity and that just kind of kindness that was extended throughout all of the cabinet chairs and like members is what drove me to join. And I think that's what we still do to this day to try and invite and engage with our members. So, yeah. Yeah, so definitely um, keeping everything open, like we're very genuine. We want people to say what, like you came over here because you felt like you, like you felt like it's, it relates to you in a way. So I like to keep the floor open. I no type of judgment, no nothing, because you know we want to have conversations, real conversations. It's not like the regular meetings. Okay, let's come in, find out about the organization, join, and then that's it. I'm so big on family aspect. So not only are you joining the organization and you become an NAACP NAACP member, but you become family. So we're reaching out. We want to know how you're doing in school. We want to know, you know, we start discussions in the chat, like, hey. Um, yeah, we have like a group chat. So we started discussions in the chat. Did you guys see this? What do you feel about this? Like what, what, like I want to hear everyone's voices. And I feel like people that feel like they have a space or feel like they're a part of something, they will come back. Like if you don't feel like, you know, if you don't feel that family aspect, like you like, okay, I'll come in, leave out. Like I have people that's graduated that's still part of NAACP. And I, anybody that comes with, um, become an e-board member I'm like you know it doesn't stop after you graduate right like <laughs> you know that right like don't think that because you, this is not for a resume booster this is um an organization where you're going to learn you're going to grow I'm a health science major I never thought that I'll become a president of NAACP at UCF I'm just like what does it have to do with health but then I realized it has something to do with everything. It doesn't matter what you're, what major you're in or what you're doing. Yeah, because you get to bring in the disparities even to your to your profession. Absolutely. You said something that really sparked, uh, uh, made me think um, in terms of uh, family. Mm -hmm. That's a cultural aspect of who I think Black people are and I think who the, the orchestrators of what the NAACP meant even back when it was um, branded, right, when it became a part of um, the, the psyche of America. Um, so what? talk about that. Talk about culture. Talk about how that matters uh, on a college campus, especially when people are coming from various locations. Most Oh, you want to start, Vanessa? I was just gonna say because I know we also do have like a picnic coming up where we're going, where we're going to engage and like have fun and have games, and that's for like our cabinet and our group and our organization members, where we could come out and get to know each other more and kind of grow, like grow together in a better sense or learn more about each other. But it's just those kind of things. We do retreats to get to know each other more. Like we check in with each other. So that definitely is a thing, you know, within our within our culture where we just 
once we're there with each other, I think we just kind of grow into this family unit that, you know, his mission is to work together towards a common goal. So I think that all starts with, like Nadia says, founding that kind of really solid foundation by making everybody or by becoming a family. Nice, nice. So I want to pivot a little bit and um, talk a little bit about what um, has been happening this week um, with the celebration of Martin Luther King um, throughout the United States, throughout the world in, 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 in most aspects of it. Um, what does Martin Luther King and his memory and his vision mean to you all? And, and what are you doing um, in honor of, of, of who he stood for or what he stands for or, or the message that was being um, created with civil rights movement? When I think of Martin Luther King, I just think of peace, like peace. Like I think of just peace. So right now, um, even, you know, with everything going on, like we, I, like I encourage our people, like I feel like we should just choose peace. You know, we see everything going on, especially what happened at the Capitol and like, and we were told we were thugs because we were like, <laughs> we were protesting peacefully. But when, you know, you go into government buildings, that's okay. Um, I just, I just feel like Martin Luther King, like I said, like he promoted peace. And in our organization, um, I would just say that we definitely like to get our voices heard, but we know that it needs to be done peacefully. Like being violent is not the way to go. So I would definitely say that. Um, in regards to your question. I think, yeah, for me, I'm okay. I think his, even with his whole, his whole rhetoric, the I have a dream, his staple speech is just, I feel like I am the promise of a dream. Like I said before, I'm Haitian American. Like my parents both came here like on boats. Like my dad spent 27 days at sea to get to this country. Like I am that dream living for what, for what he wanted for his children and for what he wanted for his future. For, for, so for me, like, Martin Luther King fighting for his dream in his own country, where he was deterred from his own civil liberties and rights and, you know, wrongfully just chastised, marginalized for his entire life up until the day of his murder. So for me, it's just, it means to not just fight, but to advocate, to speak up, to be present in rooms and just to continuously just speaking on behalf of the disenfranchised, just because it takes a unit to turn the dial. It doesn't take one person. Mm -hmm. And for him to have a dream, I just think that's a goal of unity. That's a, that's a goal of drive of, you know, that was, he had a real intention to fix things and to try to promote equality. Mm -hmm. But I just, I definitely resonate with that just because from a personal place, like I just feel like I am a dream living, so. Okay. so, so taking that a step further, um, the lessons that were learned during um, when he was living in the, in the civil rights movement and uh, the things that came out of it, that were birthed out of that, um, so much of that is what NAACP stands for today in terms of, of, of making sure that there's equity and there's inclusion. Uh, how do we teach new people who maybe not understand MLK in that, in that that whole um, movement, how do we teach them and how are you teaching them to understand the impact of, of Martin Luther King Jr.? Um, well, I think for one, we have to revisit history and tell it honestly. 
Like, I think people have to understand how, just how, you know, viciously and violently Black people were really treated to the point where we had to, like, march down summer, to the point where we had to, like, do sit-ins and bus boycotts that didn't last one day. That bus boycott was six months to a year. <laughs> and several, I think it was almost up to two years. So we have to talk about the real fight. We have to talk about the real nitty gritty and sometimes the unsightfully details that happen so people can understand, like, Martin Luther King didn't die here when he died. Yeah. He was... He was emboldened and like, you know what I'm saying? He was glorified after his murder. Yeah. Even before then, the same kind of wave of Trumpism that we see now, we had back then during during his movement. Yeah. So I think it's just very like, we have to be mindful to like, rightfully inform people of our history so we can actually establish an incentive to move forward. So people don't understand like, oh, this is not just a, a self thing. Like, oh, I'm not, oh, Vanessa's not working. Black people aren't working hard enough to get where they need to be. Like, no, we've been systemically disenfranchised for centuries since we've been here. We weren't brought here voluntarily. Right. So I think that it starts with telling history correctly and right. then we can move on with a real common goal. Yeah. And, and, and you know, there's a sense that, you know, if you don't see things my way, then you're against me. What's your thoughts about the fact that within the NAACP, there must be various voices that are being heard or various ways that people think that will kind of make the message resonate more with the folks. Um, what's, what's the beauty in that? Or maybe if, if not, well, I mean, how do you all think about it? I don't want to you know, put words in your mouth, but how do you all see bringing different voices to the table for the same goal? I would say if if it's for the goal or if there's like a bigger picture that we all see, if it's different voices, I want to know. Like, I want to see, like, I don't want people to be so stubborn in their ways. They're like, no, there's only one way to get to a place. I want to hear. I want to hear what's your reasoning. Let's talk about it. Like, like I said before, I'm very big on talking. I feel like talking and understanding each other is how things will get solved. Things will get Cause you never know, like maybe Vanessa had a point that I didn't think about. And I, even as the president, when I hear my other um, e-board members and cabinet members talk, I'm just like, you know, don't, don't think that I know all the answers. I want to hear you out too. I'm a president that I, I want, I learn every single day from my e-board and cabinet members. And sometimes I don't know the answers or sometimes I can do things a different way and they can, they help me. Like I, just because I'm the president doesn't mean I, like I, take control of everything. I, I have my hands in everything. You help me to like help you for the the greater good of our organization, for America, for our world. So that's how I feel about that. So I think there's beauty that lies in it. For those who may think that it's not, I think that's a very stubborn and like a selfish mentality, but that's me. So uh, Vanessa, you're the oldest and the boldest. Yeah. But there are other black organizations on campus. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a Black Student Union. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you all interact? Well, we actually just did, uh, I think one of our last events, we did a live for the election and we did, we collaborated with BSU Black Student Union. We collaborated with UCF Democrats. We collaborated with um, 
um, um yes, APBM sisters. Yes, men of integrity on campus, which are all like some of the predominantly black organizations on campus, but we all reach out and try and lean on each other when and where we can, because we're all different entities and different societies. We obviously want to have our own distinguished presences on campus, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, we all, like you said, are working for a common goal. So there are a lot of things that we come together to do and a lot of messages that we come together to promote, mm -hmm. but yeah, we work that way. Good, good, good. So, so um, now, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna go sister girl on you all. Okay. Um, <laughs> you all have possibly, and I can't speak for you, witnessed a ceiling being broken in the inauguration of uh, the first ethnic a person of color, black. So, South Asian American woman um, becoming the president or vice president of the United States. What does that mean to you? I don't know about you guys, but I cry. Like I shed real tears. I'm not gonna lie. Like my mom, my parents have always been like into, in, um, into politics because they're from a third world country where politics, like their government was just non-existent. And I remember growing up, I used to tell my mom I want to be a lawyer so bad, but she stuck a picture of Condoleezza Rice. We're not Republicans, but she stuck a picture of Condoleezza Rice above my bed, like literally taped the newspaper cut out Condoleezza above my bed. She was just like, cause she's black and she's a woman and she's in the White House. She's in one of the most prestigious positions in the world. And she's there and my mom was like, I want that for you. So for me, it's like seeing that come into fruition as one of even like, you know, escalate to be one of the most prominent positions in the world. It's like that ceiling was not only broken, but shattered because it wasn't like a person of non-color. It was a woman of so many colors, <laughs> so many colors and different backgrounds that you can say. But like, I was proud even giving her like, you know, like her like argumentative background or not argumentative, but like her problematic background or, you know, whatever conflict she may have had in the past. I think representation matters. Seeing that she can get to a certain position, it matters. It lets you know that that door is open for you to step through. It's not closed anymore. It's not like you can't do it to a certain extent. It's there. It's yeah. reachable at this point. Nice. Thank you. Nadia. Um, that, that moment was was crazy to me. I was just like, wow, like it really happened. And I saw what's crazy. I saw a picture of her and um Barack Obama like together. Doing like, a girl. Girl. I was just like, oh my goodness, like this is gonna be in the history books. Like mm -hmm. my children and my children's children is gonna see that in the year 2021, we elected a vice president who has like it is it's just so surreal to me. And um I'm very proud like people have of course people have things to say well she's not fully black or she's not this she's not that but I'm like we're making a step towards something I don't know about you but I'm happy and I'm proud about that so so you could be happy in the existence of of other people's joy right so yeah. that's a part of what you said NAACP is all about that we're inclusive right and we're embracing all of it so you're embracing womanism in all its forms all its intersectionalities so to speak with regards to that so when you think about her journey, you know, and, and the AKAs, I don't know if you all donned pearls and chucks and all those other things, but um, when you think about her journey and you think about yours and where you want to go in life, 
how are you inspired by it and what are you hoping to now achieve even that much more um, as you guys get ready to graduate? Not only is she an AKA, but she went to a historically black college. She did that. She worked in a predominantly black neighborhood. She worked her way up that ladder and then she got to this position. So for me, it's just kind of seeing like, you know, the route that she took was like an unpopular route. Like people like to discredit black, um, historically black colleges all the time. But like coming from that background and seeing her do it, even like, you know, against her race, against her agenda or against her background. I just know for me, somebody who is also like college educated and whatnot, like I can, I'm on similar routes. I'm taking, I'm taking similar footsteps. So I can see myself growing into a bigger position and like moving up the ladder to try like to enforce equity in whatever way I can. But like, yeah, she has inspired me just in the sense of being there, just in the sense of like accomplishment, just in the sense of like drive. Like she has got to that point. She didn't stop. She could have stopped through the chastisement. She could have stopped through all that stuff. She could have like reneged on her like decisions to do what she did. She could have did a lot of things, but she pushed forward. She persevered. And now she has accomplished the unthinkable. So Resilience, right? And perseverance is definitely the key. Excellent, thank you. I'm gonna come back to ask you what you wanna do with your degree, but Nadia, how about you? Um, so a personal story, um, me going to medical school, it's been a fight for me. Me, like, I was like, should I just settle? Like me just thinking like, maybe I, maybe I don't wanna do medical school, maybe PA school, you know, in two years, or it's probably easier to get into that. Um, but seeing like Kamala Harris and like people like, like my color going, to, you know, further and not just trying to settle, it really pushes me. Like, like I said, it's been a struggle, constant struggle. Like, Nadia, do you really want to go to medical school? Do you, why don't you just settle? Do a nurse practitioner or do physician assistant? Like, why, why should I feel like I need to settle? Like, is it, is it because like, you know, people my color, like, I don't see that many of them, um, you know, entering medical school. Like, it's just, it's been a, a constant battle, but like, you know, seeing that, seeing like, you know, Kamala Harris and, you know, people of my color, like actually going further and not stopping. Cause Kamala, I know that she has so many roadblocks before becoming vice president. And then I'm just like, you know what? This, this is something that I really, I really wanted to do. And I don't want to let nothing get in the way of that. I don't want to regret um, not pursuing something that I intentionally wanted to do because when I came into college, that was that was my goal. I went to a, I went on a mission trip to Haiti in 2016, and I knew I was just like a medical mission trip, and I knew I was like this is something I want to do. I want to go into third world countries and into other places and help women and children. So I'm like I'm going to stick to that and not try and you know defer or take detours and do, do other things. This is what I'm going to do. So like it really helped me set in stone like my path in life. So yeah. So you said something that was really, um, you know, the both of you, um, you, 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 you kind of talked about this. Um, seeing someone who looks like you in these prominent places um, means a lot. You know, role modeling for people, especially young ladies, um, how to persevere and make it through. What? You know, and, and Vanessa, you talked about HBCUs, but we're here at UCF. What does UCF need to do in your eyes if they're not doing it already 
to, to make that space for you all, you know, that space that you believe HBCU did for Kamala Harris, what space is necessary for you all here at UCF? And what do you need to see? What, would, what are the role models that you may or may not see on our campus that you feel that is necessary for them to be here? Um, I think it can start with promoting our actual events and like black events on our actual um, UCF page. So I think that'd be a start, like just be, being able to get our voices out there. Knowing that's, that, a, like, that's a small step. That's, that's, that's something that's doable, um, right, like right now. Yes. So small steps like that, just being sure that like, you know, your whole campus is aware that you have this organization there. And obviously like we do our part and do what we can to promote ourselves, and like get out and let people know, but it's a central UCF is the biggest school in Florida. So it's like for us, it's like we would like the help and the backing of our administration. And also like, I remember during our Juneteenth event mm. this past summer, like we had a lot of the faculty came out, even our own president came out, Mr. Cartwright, Professor Cartwright, he had came out and he just, was, he was at our table and he specifically asked like, what can we do? What can we do? And I told him, I was like, to be mindful, to be like when, especially behind closed doors when it comes to your faculty as well, because we know that there's different um, discrimination cases on campus. We know that there's different biases going on, not only in the classrooms, but like, you know what I mean? Within like, you know, um, the faculty as well. So I was like, take, like address those things and be transparent about those things. So people don't think like these things aren't happening here and they're continue and people continuously have this narrative that racism is non-existent and it's just black people always want to complain. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think you should check that stuff at the door to what begin. What does transparent with. mean to you? you? You said transparency. What does transparent mean to you? Transparent to me means like you are vocal about what you stand for and what you don't stand for. But not only are you vocal, but you act on that. Not just a little fancy email. <laughs> like Not just coming out to our Juneteenth and then speaking to us for five minutes and then being invisible for the rest of the semester. Like, you know what I mean? I think it means like when we're having our events, show up. Like come to our come to our events and see what we're talking about, see our interests, chat with our president and our vice president, our political action chair to see what things are really going on and not just on our campus, but in our community that also affect our campus. So, you know, to me, there's just like little things that we can do that people aren't doing just because they fit. when it's not popular, when it's not being monetized, they don't feel like it's 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 an urgent issue. But this is a this is a pre-existing, long-existing issue. Right. And I have to tell you this to you. Um, what you just spoke about is having a voice at the table and, 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 and just that, right? It seems so small what you're asking for, right? That, and, 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 I mean, and it's so easy to, to be done. That, um, but unless we have people like you at the table sharing that narrative, it gets lost. And I wonder sometimes, like, how come it gets lost? How come Vanessa has to be the one to say that, right? How come somebody else who was in leadership, even when I'm not at the table, saying something like that? Because again, and I don't mean small, like, you know, small-minded or whatever, whatever. What I'm saying is that is something that's tangible to do that will help the narrative of saying, yes, I'm an inclusive university. I am, I want you here, I support you. And I don't have to throw a lot of money behind it to show you and to show the community 
that this is this is what matters. This is how we make Black Lives Matter, right? And I think that's what I got out of what you just said just now. And unless people hear that, right. it, I mean, that's a small ask. I think people are scared of accountability. They're scared of uncomfortability. I think somebody's scared to speak up at the table because they're gonna be like, "Well, who do you think you are?" Like trying to speak up for black people, or like they, some people. Honestly, I'll give I'll give certain people this: they don't know which way to or how to stand as an ally. They don't know if they're being vocal, they're being too vocal, or if they're not saying enough. Like you know, I've like a lot, a lot of my friends who are not people of color, who are people of color at all. They're like, well, Vanessa, how can we help? Because you know me, girl. And I was like, I was like, I know I know you, but like there's certain things like you just don't know because you, this is not your experience. But these are the things and these are the roles that you can that you can play in this whole in this whole system or this, yeah, in the system, literally in the system. Speak up. When you see somebody being talked down to or biasly like this or being discriminated against, you have to be vocal because it's nothing but like there's not gonna be an effect like a white on white person telling each other that you're wrong for doing this. Yeah. Cause then there's no pushback. Wow. I mean, I'm just going to sit with that one for a moment. That was just, you know, this profound things that come from our youth, from just from listening to perspectives of individuals. And so I appreciate you, Vanessa. I really do. That, that hit me hard right there. And it makes a lot of sense and things that make sense should be done. Right. Um, and you're not asking for the world you're asking for something that is doable um, in regards to that. Um, Nadia, your thoughts? Um, I, Vanessa done said it all, but <laughs> I would definitely say that the black community at UCF is super small, so, so small. Even though we have all these different organizations for the black community, we all are basically a part of each organization. We right. just, we, it's just in rotation. So like, Definitely having that, having that um, listening ear to know like what's our concerns. Like we want more people to know, you know, about NAACP or how to handle situations when it comes about. But we feel like we can't, we don't have that pull. Like how can we pull these people? How can we pull these people so they can come and, you know, learn more about us and, you know, get to experience us instead of like what they hear. Because a lot of times people, that have, you know, their notion on what a black person is or what they're like, they've never experienced a black person or right. been friends with a black person. They just, it's what they heard. Right. So if you were to just come and experience, come to a meeting, um, you know, just hear us out. I feel like, you know, things would just be so much different. But like yeah. like Vanessa said, we I feel like we don't have that exposure. We don't, we're we're just it's, it's us, but we, you know, we're going to still, we're still here, but um, it would definitely, we had that exposure. If definitely had, you know, um, alliances with the actual UCF. I feel like we're just, all the black organizations just fighting to stay afloat. But if we had that push, had that help from, I feel like, you know, pre the president um, and things like that, would, our organization would be able to, you know, be more grounded and be um, able to help other people that's just not people so help to spread the word right to, to help with the inclusivity that's happening I, what i heard in vanessa is like the authenticity of your presence is really what's going to help make the change right because when you're come in with your fullness and you really there to support and help you're going to know what to do you know vanessa you cracked me up when you said your friends come to you and they ask i get this all the time too what can i do how can i support you what can i what do you want to do right as I, I shouldn't have to tell you 
what to do. I mean, if, right. what do you want to do? Go into go internal. Right. Do, what would you do for yourself mm -hmm. if you see something that's an injustice that's out there, right? And so I appreciate you two so much, um, not just for taking the leadership role, but also being strong post spokespersons for the narrative that we are expecting, right? The things that we want. Um, I, I keep going back to what Vanessa said, and I'm not harping on what Vanessa said, but Vanessa, you asked for something that is so, and I, and I, I don't want to say it wrong because I'm not saying that it's small, uh, but you, you're asking for something that is so doable, that is so like. It's minuscule. It's. Yeah, I was thinking that same word, yes. It almost sounds crazy to say it out loud. That I'm, I'm saying that it was just that simple, right? And, like, and we're not asking, for, we're not asking like, for money. I'm, we're not asking for like money. We're not asking for you to do too much. Right, just right. One little thing, like, like yeah. This. I'm not asking. I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not trying to make like you know. You know, this is something that you can discount. It's a, it's just that simple, and right. that is really all that people really want from you. Um, to show that you either care or that you have something. Go ahead. I don't want to cut you off. Go. No, I was just going to say, like, and if one thing, like, maybe, hey, now that we're in era COVID, live stream our GBM, send it out to some of the professors. So the professors, like, whatever the rhetoric or idea or image they have of Black students that they may have in their heads, because I know it's been very controversial on our campus, specifically with certain professors, and, like, their depiction of what Black students and Black people are like is just completely obscure and ridiculous. But if they were able to sit, like, if they were able to sit with a body like NAACP, M uh, BSU, men of integrity, you know what I mean? If, if they were able to sit within those body of students and hear how eloquent, intelligent, just strong, powerful, and just determined these students are, I think your conception of Black people, Black students will completely change. But you haven't been introduced because you don't feel like you have the need to, or you don't feel like you want to. But like, if you were not even forced, but if you were just to catch a snippet of yeah. who we really are, of who we are as a culture. Yeah, that all you all are Amanda Gardens. All you all are Amanda Gardens. Yeah, what's that mean? Well, the woman, the, the, a lot of people falling all over uh, Amanda Gorman for oh, that. Oh, Amanda Gordon, the poet, yes. Yes, yes. You know? yeah, there, there's more out there. there yes. it's not just It's just not Amanda that's doing this great work, right? Yes, exactly. There's plenty of us out there actually like, <laughs> too many, not even too many, but there's an abundance of us, yeah. like black intelligence, black excellence across the nation. And I just feel like once you're introduced to that, you, there's no denying it. There's yeah. no putting the excuses on like, oh, well, if we did this and if we didn't do that, we would be this kind of person. We are on college campuses, sir. Yeah. We are doing the work. Some of us more than others. Woo, you better speak. You better speak. So anyway, all right. So <laughs> we got like less than five minutes left. And um, I just want to, I want this to be about you two right now. Um, what's your dream? What's your journey? Once you graduate, what we're going to see, um, you know, what's, what is the plateau? What is your ceiling that you're planning on breaking once you graduate and leave UCF? Go ahead, Vanessa. You can go first. Uh, okay. So um, once I graduate, like I aspire to traveled to Capitol Hill at some point. I actually just finished my TWC internship this, sem um, this summer semester. So had it not been for COVID, I would have been working on Capitol Hill this past summer. But um, I still could put it on my resume. But um, yeah, at this point, <laughs> after I graduate, I just want to be some kind of voice and 
helpful source when it comes to relieving poverty in our country and in Haiti. That's one of my target countries to help like rebuild their um, infrastructure and stuff like that because I'm Haitian American. But I definitely want to help relieve poverty, not only like domestically, but internationally and just to fight and continually continue continually be a voice for the marginalized in this country because I fall in that category. And so, you know, that's what I plan on doing and in whatever way God sees me fit after I graduate, but that, that's my purpose. Well, look at that. And then, you know, it all comes back to God. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. That's a spiritual part of us. That's a cultural thing as well when it comes to our service um, and how we see the world. Cause we do this not for just ourselves, but we do this because we're God's children. Thank you so much for that, yes. Nadia. All right, so I graduated this semester. I'm super, super duper proud. Um, but I would definitely say after the semester, um, I graduate, I definitely want to, I'm still gonna remain part of NAACP. Like one thing about it, I'm still so close. To, yeah, I'm still so close to everybody. Like people that I had, like when I first got to um, NAACP, um, I still, I'm still like connected with those people and I still want to be connected with the people that comes even after me. So um, I definitely want to still hold positions in NAACP, um, whether it be in the Orange County branch chapter or me going back home to Miami and being part of that chapter. Um, but I also want to start studying for my MCAT and um, go to medical school. Like like I said, it's been a struggle, but I, I think I, that's what I want to do. Um, my my dad is from Haiti and my mom is from the Bahamas, so I'm from the island. So, <laughs> so um, I definitely like when I went to Haiti. I've been to Haiti many times, and um, like I said, like going and seeing that there's people that's so um, you know, less fortunate than us that don't have anything, but they're still happy. Like that, like right there, broke my heart, and I knew like they they were like happy like to see like because we I went with my church and they were just like so excited to see us like we we didn't give them a lot but they were still so satisfied and I just wanted to that's why I want to be like a missionary doctor like I want to go out into the third world countries I want to help those who don't don't have that access like we do like I felt at times we could be so ungrateful we can be so ungrateful um, so that's definitely something I wanted to do yeah I appreciate that again talking about um being selfless Mm -hmm. and and giving back and, and and that's really who we are and 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 what we want to be able to do so you all excite me um i'm proud to be your faculty advisor um and uh and what you all do um you all um i wish you nothing but the best i i hate that i can't see you all um and, you know but maybe before you all graduate um, there'll be a time that we can either do a little <laughs> elbow bump with our mask on. We'll do a little bump. Um, but I'm so proud of both of you. Um, Vanessa, this is really our first time having a conversation. Um, I'm inspired by you and your story. Um, just the passion behind your words. Same with you, Nadia. I've already known you. I know that you have that passion and um, I can't help for anything but the best for you to um yeah the world has to be looking out um because uh, I, I i see you all climbing those stairs and being the next kamala's and everything else and the things that you all get ready to do so um stay strong and thanks for being a part of today's conversation um this has just been phenomenal um 
and I, I, I can't wait to make sure that it gets into the right ears. Um, there, make sure you uh, send it out there because you all, you did your thing today. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That's that's my po political action chair, Vanessa. <laughs> there you go. All right. So listen, um, uh, next Wednesday we have um, association allyship. So I'm going to be hearing from Courtney Hand, Dr. Cindy Muniz, and Justin Andrade. Um, they're over La Fasa and Pride, and they're also over um, the BS BFSA. And so um, I'm really excited to have them on next Wednesday to kind of talk about what faculty and staff are doing in regards to um, making sure that the university campus community is, is doing the right thing. Um, these students just showed you what is the right thing, what they're asking for. They're not asking for a lot because they're willing to do what they need to do to get through. They are actually able to do it. That's what perseverance is. That's what resilience is. That is what determination is. They just showed you that they're not asking for handouts. They're asking for you to see them. And so um, I'm so excited about that. And so thank you, ladies, for being here. Um, you got nothing but love and respect for me. And, um, and we'll, 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 we'll see each other again soon. All right. Thank you all. Thank you to the UCF Foundation for helping support this podcast. And we'll see you next week. All right, thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to our show, which is brought to you by UCF Foundation. This has been Matters of Diversity with Dr. B.